It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Greetings and salutations. Happy weekend, everybody. Happy Friday out there in Gamecock land. Excuse me. This is J.C. Sherbert. This is ITG Daily, uh, the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily report, I guess. I don't call it a daily report anymore because it's it's not so much a report as it is uh, kind of a monologue. Every day, I guess I'm kind of like, well, I, I, I don't want to get political, but uh, those of you on both sides of the aisle have probably ventured into the world of conservative talk radio before. So I guess I sort of do like a Rush Limbaugh or a Michael Savage or whoever and just get on the mic and do it and certainly enjoy it this way in this format. Uh, again, apologies for the no shows uh, earlier this week. Couldn't be helped. But back in the saddle, good show yesterday. Uh, Going to put out uh, some some of the recruiting breakdown stuff that uh, I promised uh, a while back uh, for over the weekend. No show Monday. I'm heading to an XFL football game, so I have lots to talk about about that. Just kind of some insight, and you know, I've, I haven't been to a XFL game or didn't go to any of the Alliance games last year. When that league was sort of fledgling, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Football in the spring, why not? Um, although I love the other sports too, you know. I, I I'll be honest, I'm a I'm a football guy, but I'm loving following basketball, uh, and certainly I've always been a big baseball guy just to watch. I, I love that sport, and so yeah, we got lots to talk about. Always this time of the year, when the weather starts to get a little warm, uh, there is stuff to dig into. So 6 p.m. tomorrow night at the Colonial Life Arena. It's uh, it's it's the season, folks. I mean, this is a I don't know do or die game because anything can happen. You know, you, you lose this, you go to eight and six, then you win the last four. You're gonna be back on the bubble, but you know, uh, let let's call it a golden opportunity. <laughs> you know, South Carolina plays LSU. LSU. Uh, has been one of the better teams in the conference this year, almost surprisingly so, because they lost some personnel. Will Wade, um, say what you want. And I uh, I sometimes give Will Wade a hard time because I don't think I've ever seen a coach get blatantly caught uh, admitting to something, which we can all say, oh, well, that's not what he meant or whatever. But, I mean – you got to kind of be a little bit dumb to, to not think that <laughs> uh, and keep his job. I mean, you know, I, I uh, you know, South Carolina got that notice of allegations or whatever. And I, I put out on Twitter, look, reminder, Will Wade is still the head coach at Louisiana state university. And uh, I, I'm surprised because I thought they would cut bait with him. I, I didn't think they would, you know, bring that type of attention to their campus for a sport that they have been great in at times and not so great in at other times. It's kind of going basketball's kind of going up and down at LSU over the years. Um, so it's a great program for somebody that can get in there and get players. But uh, you know, their cash cows football and to a lesser extent their baseball program. And so I thought, you know, uh, it's men's basketball, Fisher cut bait, you can get another good coach in there. You know, sink for a couple of years, and then you will swim again if you're at LSU. Just looking at the the history of that program, well, they decided not to. They they stood in the in the uh, foxhole with Will Wade, and I, and I, I see their point. You know, it, it's not something in college basketball that you know 
lots of schools aren't out there doing. Um, but I just, you know, when you're that brash about it and then you're that, you stay, you know, you kind of lawyer up immediately. I mean, to me, that's just kind of like, come on, man. And I'm not one to, to, to whine and complain about schools and cheating or whatever. And, and I'm not saying they cheated. You know, I, I, I don't have proof. I don't have proof beyond the shadow of a doubt. I'm just saying that when when you're caught on tape saying something like that, then you have to lawyer up and thread the needle and all that good stuff. I fundamentally don't think it's good for the sport that you continue to be employed. Uh, at that job, you know, go back someplace else, resurface. I'm not saying any coach should ever wear a scarlet letter and, and not be hired. This is America. I'm all about second chances and stuff like that. But, man, you know, it's just pretty surprising Will Wade's still the coach at LSU. I mean, and it's surprising to some other people uh, around the, uh, you know, the, 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 the SEC community that I communicate with that uh, they were surprised. They were very surprised that, 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 that he's still there. Um, not that I don't like him or disrespect him or anything like that. Again, uh, I'm just surprised he's still there. And um, for me to say that, you know, that's big because I don't normally, you know, people complain about people cheating all the time. And I'm just like, well, that's, that's, you know, that's life <laughs> in major college athletics. You know, some people are really good at, uh, at uh, manipulating the rules. Some people aren't, you know, some institutions are, some institutions aren't. And so that's just life. And uh, until you have like uh, enforcement with some teeth, which I think there's a big, um, you know, debate about that too. I mean, I, I think some of these guys that get money, or if they get money to play, I mean, you know, they need money. They probably deserve it. So then there's a moral dilemma you get into. There's all kinds of things you can get into on this subject. But you know, I, I so I'm, I don't I don't really uh, lend credence to you know people that accuse other coaches of cheating and get upset about it and all that good stuff because I, I just think that, you know, the, the rules are there, but the rules are lightly enforced. And, you know, it, it, it's a it's a deal where you'd be surprised if you actually peeled back the curtain and saw what was going on in a lot of major sports at a lot of major schools, including some of these schools out there that pretend like they're beacons of virtue uh, that have some of their players um get immunity for getting paid to come to their school to turn in their arch rival. Uh, and it's Mississippi State who I'm talking about. I, Mississippi State's the, I guess, the beacon of virtue in the SEC because, you know, they're, Leo Lewis got immunity to testify against Ole Miss and get them in trouble. And they also turned in Auburn for Cam Newton. And, you know, it just seems like Mississippi State's turning people in left and right every chance they get. So, And they paid a player. It's on the record. He got immunity. He's kind of a disappointment at linebacker, too. I thought he'd be better, uh, Leo Lewis. But anyway, that, that, that's the thing. So you're not going to hear me talk about that, but I'm just – and I want to make it clear. I wasn't trying to take a shot at Will Wade. I'm stunned he's still the coach. <clears throat> I think that as long as he is the coach at LSU and you see what's in South Carolina's notice of allegations, that South Carolina doesn't have much to worry about. Because you don't have Frank Martin on tape talking about making a guy a great effing deal, you know, and, and all this other stuff. So, anyway, besides all that, basketball standpoint, Will's done a good job this year, Will Wade. 
Um, they uh, have slipped a little bit lately. Lost to Kentucky, a tough one the other day. They're a good basketball team, though. Um, they got Carolina and Florida coming up, so that's not going to be easy. But uh, they're really now just hitting the tough part of their schedule. And this game, you know, you kind of look at it two ways. You're like, well, they're struggling, but they're also kind of a wounded animal. That They're probably looking at the schedule going, well, we have to have this one. Um, and Carolina does too. Uh, 6 p.m. tip-off, so an early evening game, ESPN2. Um, only 2,700 tickets remaining earlier this week. I'm anticipating they'll get close to a sellout um, as far as tickets sold, and then I think on top of that, there'll be a lot of people that'll show up Saturday because this is this is as big as it gets. You win this one, that's another potential Q1 win. It's probably going to be a Q2 for the immediate aftermath, and then if LSU gets back on the saddle and wins a couple games down the stretch, it'll go back to a Q1. Um, and I, I think it just it can't get any bigger than that. Gamecocks are eight and five in the league. This would this would put them in a tie uh, with LSU, and they only play them once this year, so they'd win the tiebreaker uh, in terms of the league standings. I mean, it's just as big as it gets, you know. And, and I think back to guys to um, some of the big games LSU's played uh, in Columbia over the years. I, I remember, uh, you know, a couple from way back and then a couple now. I remember, um, uh, I guess it was the first year Carolina was in the SEC, Shaq. Shaq came to town, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, maybe Stanley Roberts from Columbia was on that team, maybe not. But I remember Shaq came in, and um, gosh, that was the Steve Newton era, the first year the Gamecocks were in the SEC. So LSU beat them pretty good. But uh, that was a big deal. Carolina Coliseum hanging from the rafters. A game I actually went to, and I went to a couple of LSU-Carolina games. One year, Carolina, LSU was not very good. Uh, and this was during the Fogler era at the Carolina Coliseum. Gamecocks beat him 106-68. So I remember that one. And that wasn't one of Eddie's better teams. I think that was the NIT team that lost to Alabama. But I'm not sure. Um, and so that was a that was a, that was when LSU was down. And then a few years later, they were back up. And I think Stromile Swift and those guys came in. It was a heck of a game. LSU ended up winning, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that was a heck of a game. A lot of athleticism on display at the Carolina Coliseum. Uh, and then you kind of look back and, um, you know, 2015, 16, that was the year Ben Simmons was at LSU. Uh, and the Gamecocks were trying to make the tournament and um, did not, even though they won 24 games. Um, and part of that reason was LSU went, you know, in the tank that year. They ended up firing their coach, turning down an NIT bid. Uh, but South Carolina that night was on 94 to 83. Uh, they beat the Bayou Bengals. So I, I think that was a, uh, a big one. And Frank Martin's first year, I think his first SEC road victory was actually in Baton Rouge, 82 to 73. So that was a, certainly a noteworthy ball game. Um, the Final Four team played LSU, and LSU was sort of in a transition period, beat them pretty good, 88 63. Down there uh, the next year, overtime game, 83-74 Gamecocks. Uh, that was Will Wade's first year. And then last year, LSU got the best of them, handed the Gamecocks their first conference loss after an undefeated start, 89-67. That, that game, Carolina just got mauled. I mean, they just, in, in terms of, I don't want to say ran off the court, but they couldn't stop 
the point guard LSU had, don't remember his name, really good player. And LSU was just on. LSU was one of the best teams in the SEC last year and had Will Wade not gotten suspended. Um, you know, who knows what they would have done in the tournament. Very, very talented basketball team. And, again, they're talented this year. Frank Martin is 4-4 four and four against LSU. Uh, the Gamecocks have won three out of the last four. They have not lost in Columbia since 2013-14, looks like, when LSU won 71-68 by three. Um, you know, so it's been a while since the Tigers have come to Columbia and snatched a victory, um, and they certainly need one Saturday night. You know, I, I think a big key to this game and – you know, one trend I've been noticing, and, and one of the members of the BigSpur.com pointed this out, and something I've been thinking about too, and it was kind of a, an interesting statement. It's like you almost you, you can almost tell if you're going to if Carolina's going to win or not with the performance in the first five minutes of the game, and and I, I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, that that's you could see how that would be because you know at Georgia, big start, Gamecocks going to be up twenty seven to five and coasting in that one the Virginia game Carolina got off to a great start on the road you know Clemson was kind of back and forth that the Gamecocks kind of had a control seize control of that one um Arkansas led from start to finish you know you, you think about that but then you also think about games like Kentucky where it didn't look like Carolina was going to be able to come back Kentucky was up by 14 in the second half um the Tennessee game last Saturday I didn't think Carolina got off to that great of a start um, I thought at Auburn, South Carolina did get off to a good start. I think they're up fourteen to eight, and Auburn started hitting threes, and, and that was that. But you know, it's interesting. I, I, I do think Saturday, it's important for Carolina to get off to a good start. Oh, one more start that was not good was the win over Texas A and M at home. Aggies got up nine nothing, and then. That was about all Texas A&M had in the tank that day. Gamecocks ended up blowing them out. They were about 30-something. 74-54 was the final in that one. So, you know, I I understand it because I, I feel that way too. But then I look at it and I'm like, well, it's not always been the case. But, heck, that's basketball. But heck of a big game. I went down all the games uh, on yesterday's podcast for you guys to pay attention to. Probably none bigger right now for the old resume than Clemson at Boston College. Um, not going to sit here and keep hammering home the fact you got to pull for the Tigers. But, look, they're 79th, 80th right now in the net. If that can get up to a – they can move up to be a top 75 team. That's a Q1 win by double digits. Um, and so you want that. I mean, you know, they could – Brunel could get to the NIT. Uh, maybe even the tournament if they finish if they finish five and zero or something they could maybe sneak in I don't know um, you know other games to kind of watch Kentucky Florida is obviously of interest uh, I would think you would want Kentucky to continue to win but if you if you have um, designs on maybe winning the SEC obviously you're two games behind right now um, but I think you probably want Kentucky to win that one and keep on keeping on because. That's a big win on the old resume over Kentucky. It's probably not going to go below a Q1 uh, unless they completely hit the skids, but uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Stetson at Liberty, 5 p.m. ESPN3. Uh, Stetson wins that one. Uh, they're in a tie for the f- for first place in their conference. And, um, 
it's going to be a bad loss numerically, no matter how much you look at it. But it's a lot different saying, how did they lose to this team, Stetson, that's ninth in their league and has a losing record versus how did they lose to the, I guess, the Atlantic Sun, the Atlantic Sun champions. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it all matters. It, it all matters because it's, it's shaping up to be a pretty tough bubble this year. Um, and so it all matters. And, you know, depending on how they make the, you know, the, the decisions and the discussions, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have much faith that, you know, a lot of this stuff is even thought out really well. Um, just looking at some of the selections over the years that don't have anything to do with Carolina. Um, just uh, sometimes I think that they decide two weeks before things are settled, that this team's in and this team's out, and then it just gets ridiculously hard uh, for certain teams, um, which is kind of sad because, I mean, I think if you've got two, three weeks more worth of basketball to play, a lot can happen. But that's that. You know, keep on pulling for Boston University. That's now a Q3 loss. <laughs> Hopefully they continue to play well. Um, you know, other than that, maybe pull for Texas A&M against Mississippi State. They're at home. Mississippi State's a fellow bubble team. Um, you know, it's going to take Mississippi State really to skyrocket in the net. I don't think there's enough time for them to do it. Uh, for that to be a Q1 win opportunity at home, it's probably solid Q2 regardless. And with them being a fellow bubble team, and you have a chance to go back and beat them, all that, and you, you got two good wins over Texas A&M, uh, and A&M's net sucks right now. Um, so you want them to keep winning. I, I don't know how A&M is so low in the net, yet they're seven and six in the league. And I looked at their non-conference, and I mean, I don't – Aggies really haven't – I mean, I don't see where they totally screwed anything up. I mean, you kind of look at it and and look through their, their results. And they lost to Gonzaga. They lost at Harvard. They lost to Temple. Well, they lost at Fairfield. That's probably a bad one. Texas is not a good loss because Texas is not very good. But, you know, you look. I mean, other than the Gamecocks, and then they lost to Oklahoma State. I mean, you know, they haven't – Hadn't been that bad. And they beat Georgia, and then they won at Alabama. So, I think Buzz Williams is a heck of a coach. I think you're going to see in a couple of years Texas A&M is going to be a contender in the league just about every year. But I, I'm just not seeing the terrible losses. I mean, I would imagine Fairfield would be a terrible loss. The Stags, yeah, they're 10 and 15, not very good. So, I guess that's a terrible loss. I don't have the net in front of me. I'm just looking at results right now. 23-point loss to Temple probably was not a welcome development. You know, you're going to get mad at him for losing by 30 to Gonzaga. Gonzaga's one of the best teams in the country, according to them. I don't know. I don't know why Texas A&M is so low in the net. But um, we'll see if they can get it up. I mean, they can can move up and – you know, beat Miss. They got Mississippi State, then they got Kentucky and LSU, <laughs> and at Auburn, and then Arkansas. So yeah, this Mississippi State. This may be their last chance to get a victory <laughs> for a while. But um, so we'll see. So maybe you pull for them. I, I, I'd also pull for Arkansas. That's a one p.m. tip on SEC Network to beat Missouri. Um, just because Arkansas right now, you know, it's prob they're probably going to stay in the top seventy-five. So that's probably going to remain a Q one win. But you want to be sure. 
you know, and, and you don't, you don't want the bottom to completely fall out, you know, with, with them. I mean, they've lost now one, two, three, four, five, six of their last seven. Actually, you throw the seven of, I mean, they, they, they've actually, geez, hold on. Oh, and two, one and two, one and three, two and three, two and six, two, eight of ten. They've lost eight out of ten. And including 21 at Tennessee, 14 at Florida. They lost to Missouri by four. Um, this is a return game. They got a chance, Missouri, Tennessee, you know, to kind of right the ship. I don't think they can, they can be in. And, and, look, I was looking at their non-conference schedule, okay? Who did they beat? Who did they beat? I mean, I'm looking through. They beat Rice. Nah. They won at Georgia Tech, 500 team in the ACC. They lost at Western Kentucky. They beat Tulsa. Now they did beat Indiana, and Indiana's metrics are pretty good. Although I don't, I don't know how good Indiana really is. You know, Indiana's a team that's not been playing all that well. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how Arkansas continues to be up there. But I'd pull for them to at least kind of tap the brakes. You know, because I, I think they've got some losses coming up. I mean. I don't. I don't know how they would affect the bubble with Carolina or not. You know, I, I think. Well, they could win four out of their last five, and they, but that may be a big Q one win. I mean, keep in mind, the committee is not sitting there with a quota per conference. They're not saying, okay, well, we're going to take five from the SEC, so this team's going to get in over this team or whatever. I mean, I know it seems like that for a couple of years ago because Vandy got in over Carolina, but that last spot was really Carolina and Tulsa. And I just think that, you know, top 50 wins, they had Tulsa had three, Carolina ended up with one. Although, you know, that at the time, you know, (laughs) Carolina had more than that Um, and beat Tulsa head-to-head. And I I just – I'll never – I'll never think that there didn't there wasn't something to do with the relationship the AD on the committee had with the Tulsa AD. I just I'll never I'll never think that you know that that didn't have a little bit to do with it at the end. And it was just awfully funny because somebody sent Frank Martin a text saying they were in, and then oh wrong USC whatever man, come on, come on, come on man, come on. Um, and I think they were in, and they snatched him out. So, so there was a last-minute change uh, right there. And it uh, had to be a very difficult decision, but that's what they did. So, anyway, there's your basketball setup for the weekend. Like I said, Gamecocks have a chance. Uh, like I said, if they, if they beat LSU, it'll probably be Q2 initially. But I think it has a chance to really go to a Q1 because I, I think LSU will get back up off the, back up off the saddle. Um, you know, even if, let's say, they drop one at Florida – Florida's playing really well right now. You know, I think that th- there's ample opportunity down the stretch. After after Carolina and Florida, it's Texas A&M at Arkansas and Georgia. So, even though they lose those two, you know, they're kind of rolling in uh, at the end. You know, and you look at their non-conference. They lost to East Tennessee State. They lost to Southern Cal. They lost to Utah State. They lost to VCU. They lost to Vanderbilt. LSU's taking some tough losses this year. Um, Even the one they won recently, they've lost four or five. The one they won recently at home against Missouri was a close game. 
82-78. So Gamecocks have an opportunity this weekend to have another big win, and, and you got to pull for LSU to lose this weekend and then hope LSU starts winning and finishes hot so you get that, uh, that key win. Okay, so I get some uh, questions sometimes from you guys, the listeners, and I have one uh, that I wanted to get into today and, uh, of course, got some recruiting specials coming up. And it's, who, who do you think are the five guys out of this recruiting class that can make an impact. And, and these types of questions are kind of tough because you just – there could be, really with the way I look at it, ten possibilities or two. <laughs> um, and there are guys in the class that may not play a lot this year that are going to end up being pretty special down the road. And then there are guys that are going to play this year, and then you're going to sit there and think, well, you're going to call them a disappointment – in a couple of years because some guys passed him. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but just looking at it from the, you know, from the perspective of team needs, that kind of thing this year. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two guys right off the top of my head that it's an if they can win the job. Uh, and that's Kai Kroger, the punter, who I think will win the job, the lefty from Lake Forest, Illinois. Uh, left-footed punter, one of the best punters in the country. Carolina needs a punter. To me, that's probably going to happen. Um, and then two is Jaston Turrentine, the offensive tackle that is about to go through spring practice from JUCO. Um, and those two are just kind of like if they win the job. If, if Turrentine can win the job at left tackle, that means that's a good thing. Because uh, that means you can move Hutcherson inside. That means you can give Ja'Kai Moore and Jalen Nichols another year to develop, which they may need. Um, that means that guy is probably going to start for two years on your O-line, and he's massive. So that would be a good thing. Uh, and then with Kroger, I think it's just a, a deal where, hey, uh, this year, you know, the Carolina needs a punter. And so it's not going to be – they lost a really good one. And the left-footed punter thing I think is very intriguing. Uh, when you sort of think about it. So other than those guys, you know, here's, here's my five. Here's my five. Marshawn Lloyd, uh, who I think, you know, I'm going to go prediction-wise here. I'm going to say I'm going to think he's going to be the starter at running back. I've said that for a few months now. So that's regardless of who the running back's coach is. <laughs> I think he's going to be the guy. Uh, I think Kevin Harris, if he's healthy, is going to be good. And I think Deshaun Fenwick could take a step. And, you know, we'll see sort of what – Zaquandre White does when he gets here. Um, I, I, Zaquandre White has a lot of talent. It could be really good, but we'll see. Um, so, Marshawn Lloyd, I think Jordan Birch is going to play a lot and play more and more as the year goes on. I mean, obviously, the big five star uh, top guy in the class, you know, five star guy, second straight year of the game. Cops have gotten a five star defensive lineman from within the state. I think, uh, and I'm, I'm going to throw an if healthy out here with this guy, Mohamed Kaba. He's too physical and too athletic to keep off the field. Now, maybe he's a special teams guy. He's not going to go through spring. He may get behind, but if he gets healthy, look out. This guy's big and can run and will hit you. He will smack you, Mohamed Kaba. And he's already enrolled, so he's already working out, rehabbing, doing that stuff. And then I'm going to go with one wide receiver and one DB. And I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> Last year, when I looked at the DBs, 
you know, I thought Jamie Robinson it was the most college-ready. It turns out he was. And then there was a good chance Cam Smith came in and ended up playing. Uh, he just needed to get stronger, and they ended up not wanting to burn his red shirt. But, you know, I, I could kind of tell that it was going to be Robinson. You know, you look at him compared to the other guys, well, he's physically more advanced. He's a baller. Uh, he's a he's a ball player. He, he loves playing football. You know, this guy's going to make an impact, and he did. Um, this year's DB group, I don't know. I, I You know, I don't know. Because they're all kind of the same guys. You know, Dominic Hill, O'Donnell Fortune. You look at those guys, and you're like, well, they're, they're probably going to need a year to get bigger and stronger. Um, they need, you know, you kind of look at them and go, well, they need to provide depth. Joey Hunter, to me. Probably is the most physically ready. But is he a corner? Is he a safety? You know, that's my question about him. Uh, and he, too, had some injury issues this year. So, don't know. Don't know about the DBs. Wide receiver, um, if Mike Wyman had not enrolled early, I would probably lean towards Jakari Caldwell or Rico Powers being a guy. But... Because Caldwell enrolled, I mean, I'm sorry, because Wyman enrolled early, he's going to have a head start. You know, let's just like look past his senior season that wasn't very good. Look at his junior film, hope he returns to form. Um, good route runner. And, and if he's a guy that come in and learn the offense, he can help him year one, I think. Uh, maybe not, but maybe so. Uh, I think the other two bring a little more sizzle to the table, so to speak. So we will see uh, what happens there. Also, you know, Jaheim Bell, to me, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out Jaheim Bell being a receiver if he can get healthy. Now, that's the other thing. He's, he's injured as well. So there's a lot of guys coming in with injuries that need to get healthy. So that's my take on that. If you, if you want five, I know I gave you more than five. Um, I gave you like three definites, two – one at at two dot 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 at this position, and then Kroger and Turnentine I think are wild cards. So that's my take there with the recruiting class. Also, we didn't talk about this earlier this week. Uh, they released roster information. They moved to Carry and Joiner to receiver full time, which is a move we talked about. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I, I you know I, I think that. My feeling is he his hamstring wasn't healthy last year. We didn't get to see the speed. He was swimming at two different positions. You know, I want to see what he ends up doing when they can get the ball in his hands in space. And I, and I think it's going to be up to Mike Bobo to figure that out. I don't, I don't think you can just these days, and especially with South Carolina's situation at receiver, I, I don't think you can just say, well, you're going to go learn how to play receiver. And if you don't know how to play receiver – and learn all the stuff about receiver in our offense, you're not going to play. I, I, I think you've got to sort of plan for, okay, this guy, you know, probably not the best route runner in the world right now, but he's great with the ball in his hands. Let's figure out a way to get it to him in space and do it. And they may, they may have done that last year. I don't know. But it's going to be a waste of athleticism, in my opinion, uh, as long as – you know, the hamstring was what was slowing him down last year, and I have no reason. I mean, you guys saw him play in high school like I did. No, DeKaren Joyner can move. And he's more quick than fast. 
you know, and elusive. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd pitch him the ball from scrimmage some, you know. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, Kevion Mullins is heading to uh, tight end, which I think is interesting. So see what he does at tight end. I, you know, I, I think he's a guy that got a little too big. Um, depending on what's going on with Trey Kenyon and Keyshawn Tony at tight end right now, uh, maybe would look at Kevion Mullins on defense. Maybe safety, big safety, or if he can't play safety, maybe he's not physical enough or linebacker. Maybe he's not defense. Maybe he's an offensive guy. But uh, that's um, you know we'll see what happens in terms of of tight ends because they're, they're getting a lot of guys there right now. Um, that are kind of more of these H-back types. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how Mike Bobo puts all that together. I, I will say this. I think Mike Bobo, if he gets some guys that maybe aren't your traditional guys, that you know, just get the ball to him in space, I, I think he's a guy that can figure that out. And as long as Carolina is able to run the ball next year, you know, I think he can figure out the passing part of it with, you know, maybe some guys that aren't your traditional, you know, wide receiver types. You know, I'm talking like a Jaheim Bell or, or like a Kevion Mullins at tight end or, you know, however you want to put that. So, you know, we'll see what's uh, what, what's happening there. I didn't want to mention those two things from the football standpoint because we missed earlier this week. wanted to address them. Uh, baseball <clears throat> this weekend, uh, Northwestern's coming to town. It's a Big Ten Power Five team, I guess. I don't think you have a Power Five in baseball, do you? Do you have a Power Five in baseball? I don't know. Michigan for the Big Ten played for the national championship last year. Lost to Vandy, but uh, the Wolverines played for all the marbles. Maybe they're playing some ball up in the Big Ten. I I don't know. Northwestern started the season. They played Omaha. I guess it's Nebraska-Omaha. Lost two of three. Uh, Their baseball Twitter account put the stage is set. It's up for us to make a big statement. So they're excited about coming to Columbia playing at Founders Park, and I'm sure, depending on the weather this weekend, uh, there'll be some big crowds out there to watch the Gamecocks, who are 4-0, take on the Wildcats. So you got got this one, uh, and then you got next week, and then Clemson the following weekend. Uh, And this year with the Clemson series, it's that interesting two games in Columbia. Uh, I guess Clemson's got the home game for the one over at the, the, the minor league park. Because TV-wise, it's ACC Network Plus. Uh, so it goes Founders Park. You know, it's not Spirit Communications anymore, I know. But uh, I hate the, the, the I hate that we're in this period, and we've been there for a while, where we keep changing names of stadiums because of corporate sponsorship. Uh, but anyway, the, the stadium over off Bull Street. How about that? And uh, then the Gamecocks will be heading up to uh, Doug Kingsmore. To close that one out, Carolina actually won the series last year. Really, that was the highlight of last season. (laughs) So, you know, let's hope Carolina win or lose with the Clemson series. That's not when it all ends. First SEC series is Tennessee. Uh, And then they go on the road to Georgia. Georgia's really good in baseball this year. We're going to have John Whittle on talking some Gamecock baseball uh, here in the near future. Uh, That sort of got pushed back because they're Whittle and Hale and and those guys – JDB, they're, they're traveling so much for baseball right now. They're on the road for recruiting stuff. You know, they're on the road for basketball. I meant to say basketball, not baseball. And then, of course, Whittle's 
out there covering baseball, it gets really difficult sometimes to schedule them for a podcast. Uh, but we're, we've got that coming now. I've got the uh, the intros cut and all of that. So we will have that for you at some point. Talking baseball, probably before the SEC season with my boy John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com. No better coverage of Carolina baseball on the planet. You know, I can – I believe we got the best basketball and football coverage and recruiting coverage, and I always think that when you have a lot of competition in that area, that it's it's always debatable and depends on what you like and the presentation and uh, who you think's entertaining and, and the speed of info and all that. Um, but I don't think it's it's even up for debate that we got the best baseball coverage with John Weddle. Um, so if you're not a VIP member of thebigspur.com and you love Gamecock baseball, join up. Whittle will talk to you all day about this stuff, so it's great. Great stuff uh, from him on baseball and basketball these days, too. I mean, he's really gotten into that as well. And, boy, we got a really good staff. Really blessed with the people that we have working for us on TheBigSpur.com, a proud member of the 24-7 Sports Network. You can follow this podcast on Twitter, at TheBigSpurPod is the handle. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Going to put some Q&A stuff up there um, for the followers. Also have an Instagram account, Inside the Gamecocks. Going to start getting that going and stuff as we build out this particular part of our business, uh, along with, you know, thebigspur.com, which is the hub for everything and all that. All right, everybody have a wonderful weekend. Um, Enjoy baseball and basketball if you're in Columbia. Like I said, I'm heading – to St. Louis, Missouri for a XFL football game, the New York Guardians against the St. Louis Battle Hawks. So I'm looking forward to my first XFL experience. And really, it's the first time I've been in St. Louis um, just to kind of go. I've flown through there a lot, but uh, flying in to go see that game and looking forward to doing that uh, on Saturday, Sunday. So me and the lady heading there. All right, folks, have a great weekend. I hope to be talking to you on Tuesday about the importance of not having a letdown against Georgia Wednesday because the Gamecocks have beaten LSU, and um, they don't need to slip up because Georgia's playing better or whatever. (laughs) You know, Uh, Georgia's got Vanderbilt this weekend, so they could actually come in uh, on a hot streak. So uh, we'll see, see kind of how all that goes. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert. This has been the Weekend Preview on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Have a great one, everybody. Yeah.